evening. It's good to see each one again this evening. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Words of comfort spoken by our Lord and Savior to his apostles shortly before his resurrection. It was at a time that his apostles were concerned about what was going on at that time. And our Lord, knowing their hearts and their minds, wanted them to be comforted knowing that it was not the end. Oftentimes we fall into the trap of worrying about things that we should not worry about. It's been said several times that the majority of the things that we worry about never come to pass. We have known those in life who worry all the time. Oftentimes they're called worry warts. Now, I don't know where that term came from, but we know what a ward is, but a, you know, a worry ward, I, you know. These things are very strange, but we get the idea. We know that there are people who worry about everything. From the time they get up in the mornings to the time they go to bed in the evenings, they worry about things. Well, it's okay to be concerned about things because life is difficult. Job 14.1 tells us that man is born of a woman, is a few days, and full of trouble. And that is true in a lot of cases. And that's not to say that all of life is gloom and doom, but yet in our lives we face situations oftentimes that are very difficult. I don't think anyone goes through life without facing trials and troubles. We may look at someone, say for instance, someone who's very successful, seems to have the world by the tail, but yet we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what's happening in their lives. People have loved ones. Oftentimes they have uh, their own children and family members, and you know these things oftentimes pose problems for us in life. But God does not want us to go through life worrying. We must understand that God want, wants us to put our trust and our faith in Him no matter what the situation. And tonight we're going to look at some things that will help us to focus in on trusting God more. We need to trust God in everything in life. Now that does not always come easy. Because we know we've had disappointments in life, and it's easy to feel like if you pray for something that is probably not going to happen because of past experiences. But we shouldn't look at it that way. We should always have faith in God and realize that sometimes when our prayers are not answered, it may be the fact that they are answered, just not the way that we want them to, or we feel that we need them to be answered. God knows all things. God knows what's going on in our lives. He knows things that we don't know, whether it's dealing with someone out, outside our family, whether it's dealing with a family member, or whether it's dealing with ourselves personally. God knows everything. 
And God also will handle those things as he sees fit. You know, Jesus wanted his disciples to be comforted. He knew that they were going to go through a very difficult time. Now remember when the life of Christ took place and the gospel and all that, there was physical persecution going on for people who believed in Christ. People would lose their lives being, uh, being Christians. And this would go on for some time. Yes, we have a lot of turmoil in our country right now, not necessarily dealing with religious matters, but we can see people who are under attack physically because of political reasons. We have a lot of things going on in the world where people are losing their lives. And we never know when we're going to be in a situation where our lives may be in danger. But no matter what happens in life, we need to be able to trust God we need to be able to go to God for that comfort so that we can still function as God wants us to. You know, when people worry extremely or when they're depressed, and they, life is not normal. That individual cannot carry on in life as God has designed for man to do. We know that depression and things like that affect people's decisions in life. It affects their outlook in life. And worry does the same thing. Of course, oftentimes worry and depression, are, they go hand in hand. But what has God said to us in his word that can help us through these things? And we as Christians should look at the world differently than those who are not Christians. In the sense that we know this is not the end. We know this is temporary. No matter what we go through in this life, it is temporary. And then when we leave this world, if we've been walking in the light, then we've got it made. We can know we're saved now. And by knowing that and knowing what the scriptures teach should give us comfort to run the race. You know, when you have, say, two football teams and they're playing, there's only going to be one winner of that game in the sense of points. But does that mean that the winner of the game doesn't take any uh, injuries or any shots or anything like that? No. Both teams are in doing battle and will have battle scars. It's the same way with our lives. We're going to have battle scars because we're in battle in life. But yet we can be victorious knowing that, first of all, we follow God. And second of all, when we do leave this world, if, Christ, if it's not because of Christ coming back, we will be able to go into that Hadean realm of paradise and wait for that time. We will have won the race. But there's a couple of things that we need to look at tonight that will help us to not worry as much and to help us through these situations. And probably one of the first ones we would think of and one would come to mind and I think the majority of the people in the religious world would say faith. Now, what does faith really cover? Now, we know a general definition of faith is belief. But when we look at faith, and that's what Jesus was wanting his apostles to have. He wanted them to have faith. Notice what he says, and this is from John, the 14th chapter, the first three verses. This is one of my favorite sections, uh, passages of Scripture here. 
uh, of our Lord speaking to his disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, you can relinquish this worry because things are going to work out in the end. Now, does he, did he mean that they weren't going to suffer anything? No, because we know as we read through the book of Acts, the things that they did suffer. Now, why would, if they were going to suffer those things, why would he say, let not your heart be troubled? Because we're looking at the big picture. We're looking at the finality rather than what's taking place at the moment. And that's what happens with a lot of people who are caught up with worry. They're looking at everything right at the moment without looking forward. But he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We know that Christ, and as Christ said, the Father and I are one. So when we look at faith, we must realize that faith has to be strong. The Hebrews writer tells us, well, first of all, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, he defines what faith is. He says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he defines faith for us. So we see what it is, but we also see that the Hebrews writer is telling us how essential that faith is in verse 6. He says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. As I mentioned this morning, diligent is, contains effort, means effort. But when he says here that it is impossible to please God without faith, that's exactly what he means. Because God is not pleased when we don't trust him. After he has done the things for us that he has done, and through his word tells us to have faith, it is disappointing for him to look down and see that that faith is not present. Jesus would at times say, Oh, ye of little faith. We have to understand that God is going to do for us in our best interest. You know, it's like parents have more insight, more experience in life than their children. And oftentimes, the decisions that a parent makes is not going to please the child because that child does not understand. But God wants us to have faith in Him. It is essential to have faith. If not, we can't please God. But it is also the foundation of the Christian's life. It's so important that Peter tells us to add to that foundation of faith. In 2 Peter, first chapter, verses 5 through 7, Peter tells us to add to our faith. What does he tell to add to our uh, for us to add to our faith. Well, he has a list. He, he talks about virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly love. It's adding those things to our belief, our faith that is already there. And we know that Romans ten seventeen talks about hearing the Word of God, and that's where faith comes from. Have you ever wondered really what this world would be like if there was no God? There are those who claim that there's no God, but have you ever thought about how bad it really would be? 
because the, the Word of God has constrained mankind in many ways. In other ways, uh, in other words, to let man know what's right and what's wrong and to have rules or boundaries for life. Because if there was no God, there'd be no boundaries. Only boundaries would be set by an individual. But many people have followed God's word, maybe not correctly all the way, but their belief and their faith in God has caused them to be a certain type of person. And it is that faith which is so important for each of us to have when we trust God. When we go through life as Christians, we need that kind of faith. And we need to have such a faith in God and trust in God that we're going to turn our problems over to Him. I know in my life that I can turn some things over easier than I can others. I don't know exactly why that is. Uh, sometimes we get to the point where we've done all that we can do. Been in a situation where we know that we can't do anything else for the situation and we turn it over to God. But what about the things that, what about when we don't reach that point yet? Do we still have the faith that we should, should have? Yes, God expects us to do the right things in life and trust in Him, but yet it, God doesn't expect us to just sit back and not do anything. God wants us to be involved in our lives, trusting Him and making things work based on His Word when they're implemented in our lives. Paul tells us, as recorded in Philippians, the fourth chapter, in verses 6 and 7, he says, be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing. In other words, there are things that we don't need to worry about. Uh, some people worry about everything, as I've said before. But when we look at what Paul says in Philippians, the fourth chapter, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your, prayer, uh, let your request be made known unto God. And I like what he says in verse 7, if you have your Bibles and you're following along. In verse 7 he says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now that is a promise. When we turn our lives over to God, when we build our faith and, and put our trust in God, we will have peace. The peace of God. How many times, and it's probably evident in your life too, when people have come to the Lord and have done the things necessary to become a child of God or an erring child of God to come back and repent, there's peace there within that. And people will tell you that. I feel a, I feel a peace now. I'm at peace. It's, it's interesting how, I don't know how things get started, how beliefs get started, but if you watch enough TV and movies and things, someone will leave this world, and let's say that person was murdered. And they solve the murder, and, and the person will come and say, okay, now they're at peace. Now they can have peace because their murderer has been caught. Now, the peace that we're talking about here is peace in this life. The only peace a person can have in the afterlife is the peace that they receive from God by doing what's right in this life, trusting God. 
If you will, turn over to James, the first chapter. We've looked at this before, but I think it, it's a good thing to be reminded always of God's Word. Uh, and, and I know people will take verses and they'll put them on the refrigerator or whatever to remember verses. They see them every day. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good idea. But when we look at trust, we look at faith, and James tells us about the essentiality of having that faith. James, the first chapter, beginning in verse 5, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. Here's the key. He says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. In other words, no doubt. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That is one of the hard things about trusting God sometimes. When we pray about something, say, okay, God's going to take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. That's not the easiest thing to do. Maybe in some cases, but not in all cases. Unless you're a, a, I would find that to be the case with most people. Unless you're an extraordinary person who can just trust God and say, that's it, and not worry about it ever again. I, you know, I would commend somebody for that ability, but I don't have that ability. I have to work at it. I have to work at trusting God. Not because of God. I don't doubt God. Because we should never doubt God. But to be able to have myself turn everything over and just say, okay, God's going to take care of it. For me, that takes work. So we have to have faith. We have to develop that unwavering faith to be at peace. And to let God take that worry. And as Peter tells us, that we ought to cast all our care upon Him. Why? Because He cares for us. You know, that is one reason why some people will fall away from God, because they don't think God cares for them. If God loved me, I wouldn't be going through all this trouble. If God loved me, He would take care of this problem. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. If we ever doubt the fact that God loves us, we need to read that verse. And you know the verse, John 3.16. If God loved the world enough to send Christ, then He cares for us. Another thing that we need in our lives, and one thing that helps us, is to have hope of life after death. Now you say, well, that's a given, right? That's a given, hope of life after death. I'm not talking about the existence of eternal life one side or the other. I'm talking about eternal life in heaven. I was doing a door-knocking campaign one time and had a couple of uh, members from this particular congregation uh, going along and you know how you talk and have conversation as you're walking and the uh, subject of assurance of salvation came up and this one member said well I sure hope I'm saved there are brethren who do not feel that they can know 100% that they're saved 
Wasn't it Paul who said the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish, but to those of us who are saved? So we know that we're saved, but having that hope, because there can be doubt that filters into our minds to where, you know, when I closed my eyes that last time, I sure hope that I wake up in paradise, you know. There, there can be that little bit of doubt. Why? Because we remember our lives. We remember our sinful things, and it is, you know, one of those things where you say, you know, I've done all I can do. I sure, I sure hope that when I open my eyes, I'm in heaven. You know, I don't fault anybody necessarily for having that feeling because we have a memory, and we remember the things that we've done. Although we can read the scriptures when John talks about walking in the light, and if we walk in the light, what happens? The blood of Christ cleanses us always. It's a continual process. That's how we can stand before God sinless. It's because the blood of Christ cleanses us continually. It's not a one-time thing and then we have to do it over again and over again as long as we're walking in the light. That's the key. Now, if we fall away from the Lord, yes, we have to repent and come back and do do what we're told to do to get right with God, but as long as we're walking in the light, God never asked us to be perfect in the fact of being sinless. But he did ask us to be perfect in the way of being complete in Christ. Jesus oftentimes spoke of heaven. I don't know if anyone has ever uh, counted those times, but we know they're very numerous. We know that heaven exists. And as we look at John 14, and, and I've had people debate about whether this is talking about heaven. When he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, it's amazing what people come up with, but when he says, in my Father's house are many mansions, he is talking about heaven. Now, we don't know exactly what heaven is going to be like, how God is going to have it laid out for us. But we know that Jesus talks about heaven and being in heaven. Notice what he says. He says that where I am, there you will be also. Where is Christ right now? He's in heaven at the right hand of God. So when he told his apostles that I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. In other words, when it is all said and done, they'll be in heaven just as we will be in heaven. So we've got to have that hope of life after death. If we have that hope, we don't have to go through every day of our lives going, boy, I hope I'm saved, I hope I'm saved, I hope I get to heaven, because God has told us that that's where we will be if we walk in the light. The Bible describes in its times about heaven, but... That's only so that we can have some kind of an idea of what we're dealing with in heaven. But we do know that God is there. We know that Christ is there. We know that the Holy Spirit is there. And when we leave this world as faithful Christians, we will be able to spend eternity with them. In 1 Corinthians 15, 24, it talks about when the end comes, that Christ is going to deliver up the church to the Father. Are we members of the church? Absolutely. We know that there are such passages that state 
for instance, 2 Corinthians 5.10, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And people talk about rewards. And, but it's not for us, if we're faithful, it's not to know whether we're going to be in heaven or not. Because if we've been faithful and God is most definitely going to be faithful to his promises, we will spend eternity with God. So we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ just to give an account of what we've done. Not that God doesn't know that. I don't know exactly what's going to take place other than what is stated. But we know that we can look forward to that eternal home in heaven. And then another thing that we will look at tonight is the fact that when Christ comes back, that will be the end. And we can look forward to that. Turn over to the book of Titus. We're familiar mainly in second chapter of Titus with verses 11 and, 11 and 12, but within this passage, Paul says something that's very interesting. And he says in verse 13, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearance of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, we're looking forward to Christ coming back. Why? Because that's going to be the end of everything and then we'll be able to go spend eternity in heaven. It will be done. Unfortunately, some people are being led astray and have been for a number of years in the... Uh, this idea that the second coming has already taken place, the A.D. 70 theory, which says that Christ came in the destruction of Jerusalem, that was his second coming. But we know that the scriptures do not teach that. Uh, there are certain questions that can be asked of those people, like why are you still taking the Lord's Supper? <laughs> why? Because what two reasons do we take the Lord's Supper? To remember his death, and to remember his return, or to look forward to his return. Uh, if he has already come, then there's no reason to take the Lord's Supper. Unfortunately, the, a, a student at the Memphis School of Preaching that was one year ahead of me, after he left school, bought into this idea. And he is a big promoter of it this, uh, even today. has his own radio station or show and. He promotes this idea that Christ has already come. That is not what the Bible teaches. But we as Christians look forward to that second coming. Why? Because that is going to be when it all ends and then it begins. That's kind of an end and a beginning. <laughs> yeah. We end all of the world. And if we go to Second uh, Peter, we find there that we're told what's going to happen to the world. The fact that it's going to be destroyed and therefore, there will not be a planet for mankind. We will be spending eternity in heaven. As I said at the beginning, there's a lot of things in, going on in the world. We live in a very chaotic world. But we really shouldn't be so upset about it that it causes us to act any differently than we would if it wasn't going on. Why? Because we have something to look forward to. Yes, we say, well... I hate it for those generations coming behind us because we know the world is getting worse. And I hate to see 
what they will have to face. But, you know, they'll be in the same position we are. A temporary position in this, on this earth, in this life. It's temporary. If they have been grounded in the truth and if they're obedient, they don't have to, to go through life worrying like the rest of the world does. I don't know if... I, I haven't watched the program, but I've seen the advertisements, the uh, people that are building these survival homes and things and you know, underground bunkers and all this to try to survive these things that are going on in the world. You know, really one of the best things, and it's hard for us to get our minds around this, one of the, hard, the best things for a Christian to do is leave this world. You know, we want to hang on to life. I think that's natural. I think God puts a survival instinct in us but what's the best thing to, is this place better than paradise is this place better than heaven you know paul was caught up with the problem he he wanted to go on and be with the lord why because he knew that was a better place but he also wanted to stay behind and help the brethren because he knew they needed him so one of the best things for a Christian is to be able to leave this life and to go on into paradise. Not to worry about what's going on. We, you know, I, I used to watch a lot of uh, Fox Network and listen to a lot of talk radio. Uh, but then I, I realized they talk about the same thing, talk about the same old problems, but nothing is ever fixed. I said... You know, so I'll just put my attention somewhere else. Not that I'm not concerned about the affairs of the world and things that go on. I am. But I'm not going to lose sleep over it at night. When I lay my head down on my pillow at night, I'm not worried about those things. Why? Because we have something better to look forward to. Do the best we can in this life serving God, and then we will be rewarded tremendously as a child of God, being faithful even unto death, Revelation 2.10. So, let not your heart be troubled. Because we do believe in God. And God has promised us a better world. It's just a matter of enduring this one for a few years. I look around at the world and I see people who have not obeyed the gospel have no clue about religious matters. Not that they can't know. It's they choose not to. And what they do believe about spirituality fits their comfort zone. Yeah. They'll accept certain things that they're comfortable with, but anything that makes them uncomfortable, they reject. And that's going to be a sad state because we know that the only way a person can have eternal life is to obey the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. I know that most people here have uh, obeyed the gospel, uh, but I don't know everybody's life or background. If you are a person that has not obeyed the gospel, then you need to do that because you cannot have peace and comfort, not true peace and comfort, without being a faithful child of God. You know, that's one of the, the great things that we have when we obey the gospel is, is that peace. Because there have been tremendous comments made about peacefulness and being right with God when a person comes up out of the waters of baptism. They have lifted a burden off of their shoulders. They have come into the right relationship with God by hearing the word, 
believing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, repenting of their sins, confessing Christ as the Lord and Savior, and then being baptized. That is a tremendous weight off a person's mind. They don't have to worry about it. They've had those sins removed, and as long as they live faithfully, they'll get the reward God has promised. You need to do that tonight. We promise that you, uh, we encourage you to do that. And as a child of God, if you need to respond tonight, we encourage you to do that also as we stand and sing.